This episode contains content that may be sensitive to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Carrie. And I'm Chrissy. And And we we are Status Macabre. Recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This is Status Macabre. Hey. Hi. Welcome back. I am happy to be here. It has been a hot minute. You know, um, oftentimes when I come into the studio, I'm like, ugh. But I'm excited, too. Me, too. It's (laughs) been a while. We've had... uh, Starting to feel like work. Yeah, <laughs> we had a nice reprieve. Some of us did. One of us had COVID um, we had for some, the second time. Yeah, some COVID, some travel. Um, what else do we have? Into this, just in the school year. School year. It's just been a little bit crazy, um, and life happened. Thank you. And life. It, as it often does. Yeah. But so. we're, I, I, I am so happy to be here, and I hope everybody is still with us. Of course. Of course they are. We have dedicated and committed listeners. Yeah, we do. (laughs) So something that I have to ask, and you and I haven't really, we haven't really talked a lot during this break. I mean, outside of the podcast. We really hadn't spent a lot of time together. We haven't. Um, Nothing for nothing, just mentioning it. But we haven't talked about dun-dun-dun. Which (laughs) thing? Amber Heard and Johnny Depp. Yeah, (laughs) <laughs> that's like everybody's entertainment. Oh man. I'm, I gotta be honest with you. I was watching that on pins and needles and I got to the point because this is just who I am. The anxiety gets to like the hurry oh, up and wait. Yes. And I was like, I can't watch it. Okay. Turn it back on. Okay. Turn it off. Were you okay, watching the actual trial? Um, I was trying to, Oh, okay. And, okay. but a lot of that turned into instead of real time, watching a couple YouTube videos, yeah, same, that same, kind same. of thing. Yep. But I found, I think I sent you, I found, um, all of the court documents at the yes, Fairfax you did. County website. You could see you guys, you could see pictures, you could listen to audio that Amber had. You can, you can go to Johnny Depp's file and see, um, his information. And of course they have it clearly labeled in different folders depending on what it is and it's all labeled by date and the same thing for amber and i had forgotten that you know this is a public trial oh yes yeah it may be worth me posting that link um to people because i sent it over to chrissy it was like oh my god there was a lot of stuff i have i would think i was in the bed that morning Mm -hmm. whatever morning it was for two hours (laughs) just looking and listening there were pictures of the penthouses there were there was a lot of stuff that was there, we didn't get to see in the media. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. As the public. And there was no pictures of poop in the bed, though, right? Not that I saw. Damn. <laughs> Did you want to see that? I, I mean, mean, I kind of want to see proof hey, of it. Hey, guess what? I have Yorkies. And that's what she <laughs> said, <laughs> right? She yeah. was like, it's my small dog. No. No, ma'am. No. It is no. not. It is absolutely probably a massive human-sized shit in the middle of the bed. Well, I, I guess, and and because we haven't talked... You know, whose team are you on? Really? I know whose team, but I just want you to say it out loud. Team Johnny Depp. Okay, same, same. And um, I don't know, and I'm just going to tell you right now, um, and I'm not this person, but I am going to be petty as 
fuck today. Uh, just unfriend me if you're Team Amber. Just do it right now. Just do it right meow. I don't want anything to do with you. We will uh, completely and politely end this podcast of what you're about to tell me is you're Team Amber. <laughs> well, guess what, folks? We're done. Chrissy and I are no longer friends. <laughs> Divorce papers will be in the mail. Uh, I mean, I... Let me rephrase that. I don't want to sound that I'm, I'm not... Um, <laughs> that I don't have any issues with domestic violence, no matter who right. is receiving and who is the offender. But, um, you know, so when you first hear about it, you're like, wow, before I even make a decision, I'm like, let's, let me just listen to a little bit of evidence. But if, if the shoe was on the other foot mm-hmm. and the evidence was supporting Amber Heard, I would be team Amber. Sure. Sure. I, I my heart would hurt. Because oh, I've yeah, always who doesn't? loved Johnny Same. Depp, yep. but I would be Team Amber. And I just, I don't feel, you know me, I'm a little bit of a fence rider. You know, I oftentimes want to hear all sides, but I just don't think she. I think she was very fake during the whole trial and just her right. acting. I was like, you know, her acting sucks. She, thank you. I was like, wow, this is how you show distraught you know, like, oh my God, I've been in a domestic violence situation. It was just so fake. It was I terrible. Thought my dog could do better. It was awful. And I just, I, I felt like she, she was out to hurt him mm-hmm. um, and payback for whatever she felt like she had been put through. I'm not saying he is a saint, right. nor do I feel like he's a saint. I feel like he's got a uh, alcohol problem and he's got his own demons we all do but I feel like she was very melodramatic I felt like she was very fake mm-hmm. and to your point the evidence did not support her you know what she was saying happened so you know team Don- Johnny for me as well um, and I, I don't just say that because I love him and want to sleep with him I say that because (laughs) I say that from the bottom of my heart. I think she is just full of shit. Yeah. And it's a shame too, because I got to be honest with you. um, When she was married to Johnny, I think, I don't think she's as pretty now. I think she's had some work done or maybe I don't know what's happened. Right. But I thought she was gorgeous. I thought her face was very very petite features in her yes. face and I love her you know I'm always looking at noses because I hate mine right so Same. Like her nose is perfect <laughs> right, oh right. you get it right yeah so um I can tell you if I was married to Johnny Depp um I don't think I would be in this situation right now <laughs> <laughs> no I don't think First, you would be second and third of all fourth of all who the hell was Amber Heard before this trial? Even I, d- I had to go back and look. Like, yeah. oh, really? She was in Aquaman. I and I and in several other movies. Yeah, I did not watch Aquaman, even though I think Jason what? Momoa is the hottest thing on the face of the earth. However, I, I just, I never really cared about Aquaman, even as a kid. I mean, it was the guy who swam in the water. I was like, ah, eh. I wasn't. I, I'm, eh, I'm, feel you, I feel you there, but I was like. No, I'm going to watch it because, and it was good. Oh, was it? it I, was. I never did. I mean, I liked it. it, but you know, I really, I'm into that. Yeah. You like the fantasy kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 You no, know, I'm, I'm there. Sci-fi. Yep. Everything. Like I haven't seen the new Dr. Strange and I'm kicking myself because I don't want to watch it in the theaters. I want to watch it at home. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I don't think they have it. home. So anyway, my, my point is, is I'm not shocked that you haven't seen it, but outside yeah. of that, I don't know who, I didn't know who she was either for yeah. that matter. Yeah. She played in. 
an old movie with Seth Rogen, I think, many, many years ago. Um, but mm. I was like, still, okay. And she sucked in the movie. Yeah, I don't think she's a good actress. I think she was, you know, she's attractive, very attractive, um, maybe charismatic, whatever. The, she's a fighter. She's a scrappy bitch, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. Because you know her, I don't know if she was married to, um, uh, there was a woman that she was uh, in a relationship, and I don't know if mm-hmm. they got married, but mm-hmm. she beat her ass in a, in an in an airport back in like Dear 2009 or something. And yeah. that didn't throw any red flags for Johnny. Something. <laughs> I don't, and, 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 oh, here's something else that you may not know. So when she was 16, she was driving a car and, um, there was a vehicular manslaughter accident that the, her friend, her best friend at the time had died. Now I don't know all the details to that. It's mm-hmm. all covered up. I think that either charges were dropped or somebody was paid off something, but she's got a history of, of literally what we're seeing now of right. being aggressive. Mm-hmm. Now I, did she turn around and stab her friend in the chest? No, there was something accident related. Now, whether or not there was mm-hmm. um, drugs or alcohol, I, I can't say, but you know, it, so what you're saying, she was troubled. <laughs> she was a she troubled She was troubled lady. and is still is troubled. troubled. I was going to say, she's still. She's, she's uh, capital scosh, T, troubled. T, yeah. troubled. She was You say, that's right. You say scotch. I say smidge. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm definitely team Johnny. I, it, I think this is going to be a hot topic for a very long time and, and a subject of many memes. And, um. <laughs> and now, have you heard that, of course, she's filing um bankruptcy no what is that when you an appeal but in order for her to file the appeal she has to have the amount of money um so she has to have 10 point whatever million million that Mm -hmm. she doesn't have so how is she going to file that with an x amount of days i don't know second of all someone else has come out of and i'm going to say the woodwork Mm -hmm. to uh, Sue Johnny Depp. Someone else has claimed that on a set of whatever movie. Oh, let me guess. Johnny Depp was a man, though. Johnny Depp <laughs> supposedly um, hit, punched, slapped, kicked. I don't know, but you're just now going to bring that up. Just now. I don't. What is wrong with you people? If something happened, then address it immediately. Exactly. Immediately. Why are you waiting? Years and years and years. Decades to later bring up, oh, so-and-so touched my butt. So-and-so said something derogatory to me. Or somebody hit me. I I, 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 I do not understand. I do not get it. Because I guarantee you didn't have PTSD from Johnny Depp hitting you. Right, right. I mean, I would. it would actually it just, turn me on, Johnny. I was going to say, like, it just came to the surface. <laughs> You know, this Amber Heard stuff just made me think about it. And now I'm all upset again. My, get my, over it. My thing is, shit or get off the pot. Thank you. Now, I mean, I guess in the, Ugh. let me just put a caveat in here, is in the instances of severe uh, abuse and mental trauma right. and that sort of thing. I'm with you. Okay, right? Like somebody kept me in a dog cage and I don't know, right? For, I, for I, 14 years. I, all right. Maybe. But but one slap or one punch, don't get me wrong, I'm going to talk about it, but I don't know that I'm going to bring it to a court situation. No, no. And I, yeah, just final notes. I, I personally feel like Amber Heard has set this whole, like the Me Too movement, if you want to, you know, rope that in there. And, and just women who are abused 
domestic abuse, sexual abuse, you know, mental mm-hmm. abuse has set that back. I, I don't decades because right. she's cried wolf and she's just a POS in my opinion. And, and who's good. People are going to second guess. Uh, is she full of shit? Right. When and, they bring it up. It's and she's awful. cried wolf too many times. Thank you. Like too many times. Yeah. So that's just my opinion. Again, if you are team Amber and don't like what we said, we're sorry. Hate it. Hate it for you. <laughs> Anyway, okay, moving so right along. moving right along, you guys, I am going to jump right in it. And uh, I want to tell you, this is a, this is going to get you right in the feels. Bad feelers or good feelers? Oh, be more specific. It's, it's not going to be good feelers. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. Is just... it ever good feelers when I'm around? That's fair. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to. Oh, I'm just going to jump right into it. I'm not even going to set the stage here. Just go for it. In early May 2007, something happened that would completely rock the town of Kurum. Let me just say this. So this story does take place in the Czech Republic. Okay. Uh, I am not even going to try to pronounce the last names. Uh, <laughs> thankfully for me and the listeners, the first names are pretty decent. I Chad like, and Bill. Not quite, <laughs> but I feel like we're going to feel like we're going to be okay. All right. Um, so... Just FYI there, and and try to keep up. Um, a small town. All right, so let me. So this this situation happened in a small town uh, in the Czech Republic called Kurum. Uh, it's small town, population of about ten thousand. And on the morning of May seventh, which happens to be Bryant, my brother's birthday, Edward, a very new father, was testing out his new baby monitor. Now this was the kind that had the video and the audio in it. Um, I. Uh, I don't think those were out when Charles and Chandler were nope, born. Nope, they weren't out when I was, yeah, yeah. had babies. He nope. had bought it several months prior in preparation for the birth of his own child. Edward and his wife had become new parents that morning. Turning on the monitor, of course, he's filled with excitement and, you know, just I can't imagine all the joy he's feeling. But he's a bit surprised when he sees an image of what appears to be a small naked boy that he does not recognize on the monitor. He thinks the boy is about six or seven years old. His hands were tied and he was playing, well, his hands were bound and he was playing with a roll of scotch tape. And yes, I mean Christmas wrapping scotch tape. And this is in their house? This is what he's seen Mm -hmm. on the new baby monitor that he's just plugged in because he's preparing for his own baby to come home. Right, right. The image was grainy, uh, and it was in black and white, and the room was not well lit, so he really couldn't make a bunch out. He thought that maybe there was a glitch, and he was receiving something that was supposed to be on a TV, and was preoccupied, of course, by becoming a new parent, and didn't really make any connection at the time that there was anything that was truly troubling or even real about the situation. Okay. He had several things going on. Oh, this is this is a weird Channel 4 News or whatever is coming. I don't know, whatever weird show someone was feed watching. or something. Yeah, right. that's what he thought. It was just some, some weird feed. And plus, the boy did not look like he was in pain or he was uncomfortable. And it was quite the opposite, actually. He was playing with his roll of scotch tape. And Edward thought maybe the boy was playing in his favorite little... Heidi hole and just using his imagination like a lot of kids do. And so he went on about his day. He went and did whatever he had to do and went and visited his wife. He came home later that night 
after visiting his wife and his newborn at the hospital, and he took another peek at the monitor and saw the trouble, saw the child in the exact same place and thought, surely this kid hasn't been here all day. And, and what child would have that much patience to, to sit in one position? Well, yeah, um, play with scotch tape for that And matter. still be bound and he's still naked. And during this glance, he sees what he sees is a little more dis- disturbing than what he had seen earlier in the day. Like I said, he was still bound. He was still naked and he was eating off of the floor. Um, I was shocked. Edward told police Edward spent several minutes contemplating whether this was real um, and wondered if he should involve the police. And I tried to think through that and thought, man, what would I do in that situation now? You know, I know what I would do, but being a guy, yeah, well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. But he eventually decides that it's worth contacting um, the police. And just in case, this is where he's smart, something happens with his connection, he decided to record what he was seeing on the monitor. Once the police arrived, they decided that it was worth investigating. The lead investigator, Miroslav, knew that baby monitors are typically designed to transmit within the same building. Quote, we figured the baby monitor would have a short range that it couldn't be further than next door, end quote. However, when questioned, nobody in the building indicated that they had a small boy, boy tied up in a dark room. Well, I was going to say, it's, no, it's going to go, oh, it's me. It's, it's me. me. It's my kid. It's me. This is where I was like, I'm not sure I would admit to that either. No. Um, but one of the doors belonged to Clara Morova, who was 29 at the time and had moved into the building about six months ago. She was a very private person, and honestly, outside of seeing her here and there, maybe walking in and out of her part- apartment, people really couldn't recall much about her. When the police knocked on her door and asked about a little boy, she immediately said there was no small boy in her home, and the only child that was there was her 13-year-old daughter, and that all of this commotion was really upsetting the little girl. And the police had, at this time, they had no solid reason to believe she was hiding anything. So the officers apologized for the inconvenience, and they they left. Um, But while they were making their rounds, and thankfully, Edward was still in his home watching the baby monitor, and he was continuing to record it. He heard the conversation that police had when they knocked on Clara's door. And when they returned, Edward replayed it for them as soon as he could. So... Now that they have this information, they go back to Clara's door, they knock on it, and she could no longer refuse entrance. So they went in, and it was pretty quick after that that her entire home became a crime scene. Um, Once they entered the home, Clara's daughter, who is, uh, her name is Anna, began screaming very loudly. Um, And she screamed the entire time the police were making their way through the house. Police eventually found a room with a padlock on it, and it looked very much like it might lead to a staircase. Um, When Clara was asked to open it, she said, "Uh, I can't open it. It was locked when I moved in, and the landlord has never given me a key. That's like saying, "Um, these are my friend's jeans. The weed's not mine. (laughs) These aren't my pants. (laughs) These aren't my pants. So, of course, the police are like, word, you can't help us out? Fine. We're going to call the fire department, 
and uh, they're going to come out and they're going to fix this so we're going to be able to get access into that room. Well, as soon as police got on the phone with the fire department, Clara called her older sister. Her name was Katerina, is Katerina, I should say. When she arrived and while the fire department was cutting through the padlock, Clara, Katerina, and 13-year-old Anna tried as best as they could to stop police and fire department from getting into that room. So whatever is going on in that room, Clara's got children roped into protecting it. Yes, that's what it that's what it appears this now. This is already shaping up to be pretty messed up. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they they did they they did as best as they could to stop them from entering into the room. Um and Clara's 13-year-old daughter, Anna, really acted like a much younger child. She joined her mother and aunt. Um, They all started crawling on the ground. They started rocking like babies. They were babbling. They were trying to create a spectacle and a scene to prevent them from going in that room. And because there was definitely things going on in that room that police and fire department, they didn't want them knowing about. Right. It also appeared that Anna may have been mentally challenged. Police and the fire department had no choice but to physically remove all three of them, and they all resisted. Ultimately, of course, they were overpowered, but Anna put up a fight. She was kicking. She was screaming, hitting, scratching. She was spitting. She was um, just true, like a little Tasmanian devil is what I think about. And she's 13 years old. She is. She... Yes. Clara has told the police that she is a 13-year-old girl with autism. Okay. Okay. So she's explained the behavior that away to some degree that she's autistic. Okay. Now once, of course, they, they get rid of the padlock. They go inside the room. And once they're inside the room, the first thing everyone notices is the smell. It was said that there were months worth of human waste all around the room. Ew. On the bare floor, there was dried urine, uh, dried vomit, and excrement. Excrement, And then, of course, the heat of the summer, you know, I can imagine what that smell was like. And uh, I would imagine you need a tetanus shot as soon as you left that room. Um, it maybe would... like a men's boys dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. (laughs) I could imagine just it being completely unbearable. Yeah, that's disgusting. And in the middle of all of this was a small, naked, pale little boy that was bound and covered in complete filth. And despite everything, he did not cry, and uh, which to me is astonishing. You know, no relief, no nothing. Um, Clara told the authorities. Now, Clara is his mother. Clara told authorities that he was her son, Andre. When she was questioned, she said, quote, we did not get it that we couldn't have possibly understood, end quote. Clara quickly became very emotional and so upset that no other information could be gathered. Now, I personally think um, that she clammed up really quickly because she had absolutely no idea what the fuck she was going to tell authorities. I was going to say, how do you explain that away? Exactly. Now, Katerina, now Katerina is her older sister, the aunt. Mm -hmm. Um, She claimed that what Edward saw on the monitor was pretty close to the truth, that this was the spot that Andre liked to play 
But when pressed, she could not explain why he was naked and why he was tied and why he was covered in feces. Uh, Yeah, in a locked room with vomit, pee, and poop all over the place. Exactly. Now, crime scene investigators began to take pictures and when they did, um, Andrej looked into the camera and just smiled. And investigators recalled just just thinking that was the most heartwarming smile, that he wasn't sad, he wasn't crying, that he just was very calm and looked into the camera and just gave this really adorable smile. And shortly after that, he was taken away by ambulance. And while that happened, he remained calm. He, he didn't have the demeanor of a child that had just been rescued, However, as the day progressed and as they went into the evening and as it approached bedtime, he became extremely afraid and delirious. He thought the pictures on the wall were ghosts and they had to be removed, but ultimately it didn't help the situation. He had terrible nightmares. The nurses tried to calm him and make him feel comfortable, um, but it didn't help really at all. The first few nights were very difficult and before the end of the night, He begged, quote, just kill me, please just kill me, end quote. Now, he is, at the time, they think, six to seven years old. Okay, I was going to ask you what was his age. So, okay, that. Andrage had long scars on his arms and his back that looked like maybe he had been whipped or cut with a sharp object. He had pale welts around his groin area, and he had circular scars on his buttocks. Andrej has an older brother as well. Uh, his name is Jacob. His older brother is two years older than he is and had been at school when everything happened. Andrej was not in school because he had supposedly, allegedly, he had hearing problems that made classroom learning difficult. Therefore, he was pulled out of school to be homeschooled by his mother. Mm, that's some interesting homeschooling tactics. Right? Right. I don't know what you guys are doing over there in the Czech Republic, but that's not how we homeschool. I was going to say that is definitely not how we homeschool here. But Um, Jacob was, you know, clearly he's picked up Mm -hmm. and he's taken to a children's institution. And that's the same institution that Andre is at. Shortly after he got there, Anna arrived. Now, this whole transition caused Jacob to become very stressed and disoriented. As you can imagine, he's at school, right? Um, But the police really need to gather as much information as possible to help them understand what really happened in that house. He was scared to say much, and being in the company of strangers did not help the situation. He had similar scars to that of Andrej and said they were from his pet gerbil and the welts were from wasp stings when he was camping. So that sounds very rehearsed, but I, and I want to say, I, I don't know. And very creative for that matter. I mean, if, if Clara was feeding him information, why a gerbil would be chomping on his bits? I don't understand. No, those are from the wasp stings. The wasp, the wasp stung his groin, and the scratch marks are from gerbils. Which, come on, guys. I mean, what are you doing with? Yeah, I, I, I we, we. I'm like at a loss for words right now. Right now, he did not have the scars on his butt like Andrej did. Mm-hmm. Police knew, just like we know, that these excuses were highly unlikely, but they still pushed, and they had to push gently because the boys were were not opening up. However, he finally shared uh, that 
he that those marks and scars had been caused by his mother. The scratches were from a fork that was dragged painfully across his skin, and the welts were uh, from cigarettes that had been put out on his groin. Now, mm-hmm. I assumed that that's what the welts were for. I was struggling with the scratches before I got to that point. Mm-hmm. But as the days passed, Jacob and Andre opened up more and more and, you know, tried to share everything that they had to go through. Andre shared that his confinement started just before they moved to Curum. Uh, At first, he was locked in the bathroom, and then he was moved to a small room under the stairs, and it was explained just like the little room that Harry Potter had, with the exception, you know, Harry Potter had a bed. Mm -hmm. This little boy... Had nothing. Had nothing. And the only time he had been allowed out was around Christmas. Other than that, he had been essentially a prisoner and in solitary confinement. He ate in the dark, which is, to me, probably why he got scared when it got dark. He ate in the dark, and he had to use the bathroom in a bucket or on the floor. As the boy slowly began to trust law enforcement and open up, Anna was much, much more difficult to handle. She was still very distraught by being separated from her mother. Employees at the Children's Institution had a very difficult time getting close to her, she would fight, yell, bite, scream, spit. Um, at any time, someone tried to even touch her. They could not even investigate her body for scars, although they, they assumed at the time that she was likely self-harming. They decided to leave her alone, give her an opportunity to become a little more familiar with her surroundings before examining her further, but they would not get the chance because on May 12th, Anna would disappear completely from the institution. She had figured out a way to open one of the windows and escape, but no one really knew if she did this on her own or if she had help. They, of course, did a sweep of the surrounding areas. They could not locate her. They wondered that, they wondered, you know, has she been kidnapped? Is she being tortured? Or did she run away? They had absolutely no clue. And this case is already sketchy, so they, they got nothing. And nobody's talking. Um, and then, of course, you know, this causes an uproar in the community because media is say, hey, we've got these three kids. Oh, and by the way, the 13-year-old escaped. So the right. child institution came, you know, they <laughs> they got a lot of bad tweets. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Up <laughs> so, your security. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Clara, Katerina, and the arrival of Anna. Um, it's interesting, uh, a little confusing. Now, Katerina is the oldest of three girls, and Clara is the youngest. They have a middle sister named Gabriella. They were all born to the same mother and father, Vladislav and Aliska. They were, for the most part, pretty close family. They vacationed together. They went to church together, and often they were with extended family. They were considered religious. They were Catholic, but they didn't attend church every single weekend, but they did attend regularly enough to know who was in the church for people to know them, and they all understood what the Ten Commandments were or are. For the most part, they had a loving upbringing um, and home environment. The sisters were said to be pretty good friends, and Clara was really the sporty one, while Gabriella and Katerina were the ones that were invested a little more in academics. In 1996, at age 18, Clara became pregnant unexpectedly, and her boyfriend, Radic, um, was the father. Clara and Radic had been dating for about a year and decided to get married once they found out they were pregnant. 
and in October of 1997, Jacob was born. Two years later, in 1999, Andrej was born. Now, Clara and Radic were, for the most part, in a stable, healthy relationship. Clara's parents were actually thrilled that they were grandparents, and they were happy to help when and, and however they could. They allowed the young family to stay with them for the first year of marriage. And it was because of this support that Clara was able to go and get uh, a degree in economics. And all this sounds I was going to say, I don't understand. Yeah, like, where's the chaos and despair? Yeah. Why did you lock your kids up in a, in a room? So, now, yeah, I'm like, man, I was reading through this like, well, where Something. the hell's the problems? Where's yeah. the issues? So, unfortunately, the marriage did not last long. Okay, there's and, strike one. Yep. And so, uh, they began to argue around 2003 The marriage had essentially reached its breaking point, and they filed for divorce. Now, it was amicable. No one pointed fingers at the other. They essentially had just grown apart. Clara received custody. Radic didn't contest. He had faith in Clara, and they made the split work between them. But he had a very active role in the kids' lives, and honestly, that's how Clara wanted it. So, I mean, I I get divorce is not nice. I don't care if it's amicable or not. It's still not good. It still sucks. Yeah. But still not seeing where this took a dark turn. (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm on like on the edge of my seat. In 2004, Clara decided to change careers completely. Um, She went back to school to study uh, social child care and education. About a year later, she adopted Anna. And neighbors and friends and family said that, you know, it was pretty sudden that she never talked about adoption. She never discussed the process, and we know how long that process is. Um, so it was it was a shock. Neighbors recalled getting glimpses of Anna being carried up and down the stairs, and they said she looked pale, she looked sickly. This was also about the time that Clara started to change. She, she didn't have the time to meet with friends and family anymore. And she didn't want company anymore. She also was sad, depressed, and looked tired pretty much all of the time. So she's she's hitting some sort of depression okay. cycle here, yeah. right? All right. I see the turn. Yeah. <laughs> Up <gets> ahead. <laughs> the last time she spent with a close friend, um, her name was Marcella. Marcella recalled that Anna's behavior was very odd staring at the ground during a movie, avoiding eye contact with anyone other than Clara. And when Marcella asked Clara about it, she replied, Anna was autistic and did not communicate well with strangers or with strangers at all. Mm -hmm. But shortly after this trip or this time that they hung out, Clara cut Marcella out of her life completely. Like no reason, just I'm done with you avoided phone calls, calls avoided right. co- contacts. Yeah, AWOL. Well, not AWOL, but just no call, no show, right? Right. Even Radic, who was the ex-husband, did not know why she adopted Anna or much about the situation. He caught glimpses of her when he picked up the kids or dropped them off, but he never asked about her. And Clara never volunteered any details, and he just essentially stayed in his lane saying that she was going to do what she wanted to do and, and felt that she was fine mentally, and had the financial capabilities to take care of herself. So it's just an odd situation here, right? Now, according to Clara and her family, uh, that would be Clara's mother, mm-hmm. Anna was the daughter of drugs, drug addicts who were known to Clara's mother 
and her grandmother. And because of her developmental problems, her parents became overwhelmed with their addiction and the needs of a challenged child. Okay. So in 2000, they dropped Anna off with Clara's grandmother. um, And they never returned to get her. It was assumed they ran away and had just abandoned her. Now, how did Clara's grandmother and that couple, how did they become associated and know each other? I'm not sure about. But the story was that the grandmother took care of her until she died in 2004. And at that time, Clara took over as caregiver and quickly started an adoption process. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds like... It does. You're like, okay. I can not- see where she's trying to help this poor child. And, and, and I, you know, we've, we've seen before drugs and alcohol, especially, you know, during pregnancy can cause autism yeah. and, and, and different mental issues in Absolutely. Chi- children. So, okay, this is... It's kind of, it's like, it's like, okay, some, some of the red flags are maybe back down to caution flags. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not as concerned. Right. So at this point, Anna, um, well, everyone assumed, and she was considered undocumented. So the process for adoption at this point would have been terribly difficult and extremely complicated. But Katerina had a friend who was a journalist named Jacob, not to be mixed up with the son. And he was an advocate for people who were looking to adopt. He was extremely familiar with the system. And with his help, Clara sailed smoothly through the adoption process. And he, like I said, he was an advocate. He was in the know. He had judges, attorneys, and I'm not saying in his pocket, but he had contacts. Um, so, just to give you guys an idea of what is included, very high level, there's court appearances, there's meetings with social workers, there's DNA that has to be gathered. This doesn't happen overnight. There's testimony that has to be given under oath in front of a judge with, you know, with all parties involved. Again, legally binding process that typically takes time. In the late 2000, in late 2006, Clara quit school indicating that there were personal and family issues. And this happened right before Anna's adoption was finalized. And it was right around the time that they moved to Kiram. Also, keep in mind, it was also right around this time, just before the move to Kiram, that the boys' abuse had started. So these boys were not abused from the... To start with, to yeah. To start with. This abuse started... Um, later on in their young little lives, right? And I, I can't wait to understand the trigger point. She, you know, again, she's cut off her family. The boys were no longer allowed to see their father, but she remained close to Katerina. Even her younger sister was cut out of her life. And Clara was closer to her younger sister. Um, she was less close to Katerina, but... For whatever reason, the tables are turning. And it's easy to to speculate here, but clearly the addition of Anna into their lives has caused Clara a ton of stress. Clearly. Investigators taking a closer look into Anna's life began to notice several things that just did not add up. Something investigators recalled was the day that they went to the home and how she acted when they all approached the locked door. 
Now, this to me is fascinating. Um, in order to calm her down, they gave her a piece of paper and a pencil. And what she drew was very impressive. She drew strings of binary. She drew calculus formulas, the cube root of nine, and two drawings of a, a tesseract, which is a four-dimensional cube. Now, one of those drawings was an exploded view. Very complex. However, it's a fact that people with autism, quote, often has often have phenomenal faculties of recall and mathematical aptitude, end quote. And so this may be just where she fit in, even at age 13. Interesting that that would be what she drew. You know, most kids are drawing houses and rainbows, even at age 13. Look, Mommy, I drew you a flower. Catherine draws hearts and, right. you know, but oh, wow, complex calculus formula. Calculus. Binary. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be able to do that now. They also released photos. So investigators are just recalling. Like, they're like, hey, this is this is weird. Um, they also decided to release photos of Anna to the public. And this caused several of Katerina's co-workers to notice that Anna looked a lot like someone they knew, a woman by the name of Barbara. Someone they had worked with and a woman that had shared an, an, an apartment with Katerina years prior. Oh, so this is not adding up. To the Dude, earlier story. My head was exploding at this point. And wow. I, I hope I've captured all this. If not, I'm just going to, it's going to be a QA and a at the end. Um, so Barbara, if this was Barbara, mm -hmm. would have been 32 at the time that this was happening. Or at the time that they were recalling. Okay. So she would have been in her. I was going to she's in her 30s. 30s yeah. She, yeah. So she's old enough to have had a daughter. And people recalled not having seen her for a, for, for a while. Okay. Maybe, I want to say it was several months, maybe close to a year, maybe a little longer, but definitely a significant amount of time. That's fishy. She stopped working due to health reasons years before. They also recall her having much more weight um, on her than, than the Anna, than the picture that they showed of Anna, but they all felt that it was her. Caregivers from the Child Institute also claimed that they found a few things odd. Most caregivers felt that Anna was much older than her 13 years, mainly around the eyes. We all know the eyes tell it, right? Um, they claimed that, quote, her gaze seemed far too mature for an adolescent, end quote. Whoa, this is strange. This is so crazy. I know. She apparently had stretch marks as well, which could be explained by a rapid weight loss or weight gain. Um but not at 13. But no, I mean. I, well, maybe, I guess. I maybe. Mean, but I mean. I, that's so rare, though. Right. Right. Um, and when they questioned Katerina, uh, she basically said this was ludicrous and that Anna and Barbara were com two completely separate people. There was no way they were the same person. Prove it. Right. <laughs> well, and now Anna's gone, right? Anna, someone who's severely autistic, right. has uh, escaped out escaped of a window out of a window in a child institution couldn't be couldn't be found yeah i i but somebody find barbara exactly <laughs> well so now investigators still have no idea where anna was and they decided to offer some reward money that you know anyone who can come forward with information on where she was would would get this this sum of money now, to make the story a little more confusing, in 1996, a man by the name of Yaroslav was convicted of murdering his four-year-old daughter. 
her daughter, the daughter was named uh, Carolina. He was divorced from Carolina's mother at the time, and she had disappeared when he was spending time with her. According to him, he had been literally knocked out, and when he woke up, his daughter was gone. This did not sit well with police or courts, anybody for that matter. And of course, you know, this is a long story short, you guys. He was convicted of murder and he was sentenced to 13 years, though there was nobody. There was really, literally no other evidence that was found. Now, now we have a mysterious child slash woman, Yaroslav and Carolina's mother, all wondering if there is a connection. So Yaroslav's ex-wife basically said, she really never thought that he killed their daughter, but there was there was just nothing else. There was no evidence to support that he killed her. Nothing. It was just uh, circumstantial. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so she takes this information to the police, and, you know, hell, she wants answers too. Right. Where's my daughter? And she's hoping, I think, that there is some sort of connection here. Now, her name is... Um, Bodana, uh, I probably butchered that. That is the little girl that was murdered or was missing. That's her mother. Again, she didn't think her ex-husband had killed her daughter. But after she files a claim, the press, not the institution, the press receives a handwritten letter allegedly from Anna with an explanation as to why she ran away from the institution, claiming that she had seen the news of her mother's arrest and it upset her to the point that she had to leave and help her out, find her and help her out. It also attempted to explain why Andrej had been locked up, that he was unruly, and he threatened to kill her and her mother, and Clara was just trying to remove those thoughts from him. Now, <laughs> a lot of people were mm. skeptical because how can a 13-year-old mentally challenged girl write a 10-page letter with no mistakes in her grammar or spelling. It appeared that the person who wrote uh, attempted to appear childlike but failed. And when they compared the letter to the drawings from the Child Institute, those two were really a match. Also, the letter was written using male pronouns. Mm. They were able to trace the letter to a cottage in the woods and, you know, this was one that, stay with me now, that Katerina and Barbara had been to. Okay. Okay. I'm with you. So when they went to this, now this doesn't happen overnight, right? We, we know there's forensics that goes into this. When investigators went to that cabin, it was empty. So if she had been there, she was gone. gone. Okay. Now, let's look at what we have. <laughs> Anna had been legally adopted, and at this point, that is causing people to ask questions. The adoption process, you know, not familiar, too familiar with it, but somewhat familiar with it, um, long and exhausting. There was a judge that presided over the case, and they actually called her in, and the judge swore that she had seen a child, a 13-year-old Anna, mm-hmm. Um and that they were there with her for over two hours. So this wasn't something that was hidden or, you know, people, right. s- you know, tried to circumvent Cover a up. system. Yeah. Um, then they realized, hey, guess what? We took her DNA. And whoever, the Anna, 
who had been recovered from Katerina's home was, she was not the same person as the one who had been present in the courtroom. Ah. So... So witnesses are seeing that that Anna is not the person that was really adopted. The DNA is saying that. Yeah, the DNA. Okay, the DNA is saying that, yes. Yeah, so so because there's so much confusion now, people are like, hey, her picture doesn't look like that. It looks like Mm so-and-so. The judge is saying, no, there was a 13-year-old child in my courtroom, and everybody's like, well... We got DNA. Let's get it out. Yeah, let's just double check. Okay. So when, you know, now everyone, like, who the fuck is who in the damn story, right? What happened to the real Anna? Who the hell is the fake Anna? Yeah. What happened to those boys? Who the fuck is Barbara? How is all of this connected is is where I'm at. I'm trying to figure (laughs) it out. And there's, you know, still yet another angle. There appeared to be more of a link between Katerina and Barbara than originally thought. Okay, and Barbara could be Anna is could what be. we're thinking. Okay, okay, I just want to make sure I've got my connections could. aligned. I don't know if listeners, you guys are like, what the I hell? I mean, yeah, because it, Start it's... Start flo- <laughs> drawing a flow chart. It is absolutely... Uh, it's bonkers. It is, it is. So, okay. Barbara was part of a religious sect ran by her father. Her father's name was Joseph. Mm -hmm. And this was an offshoot of an international religious movement known as the Grail Movement. And it is believed that Barbara converted Katerina to its beliefs. Now, I had never heard of the Grail Movement, and um, I'm still a little perplexed by the whole thing. Uh, to me, it appears to be some sort of a, I would say, religious cult. <laughs> but. Yeah, I, I, it looks like, and I, I looked it up, and it's essentially as an organization. It, it was founded in Germany in the 40s, um, inspired by the work of the self-proclaimed Messiah. They all got to have a Messiah, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Oscar Ernest Bernhardt, also known by his pen name, something that I'm not going to even try to pronounce. So, um, but essentially, he's principal, principally, principally in the light of truth. So, the Grail message is that this prophet did not establish the organization. The movement as it exists today was formally organized by its followers. So, it looks like they believe in. They, oh wow, they live in sixteen countries. Uh, yeah, and something that I I saw, and I'm I'm reading this right, but the laws of creation, right, mm-hmm. provide each human spirit with support on their pathway through their existence. So, okay, there. What does know that what? even mean? I would say, you know, you guys would probably have to Google this on your own because I I honestly was a little more confused having looked at that. Um, yeah. Cause I it, probably should have just said, okay, girl movement weird and, and kept on going, but yeah, it says in my whole thing with these things is like, what does that mean? You know, what are they believe in? And it's, it's inter unchangeably interwoven from the beginning. Um, they bear within like the 10 commandments, the love, grace, justice of the creator and so all you know i am always amazed by cults because it's they all sound okay up front Anytime you know you it's say just kind of like 
I'm like, eh. Well, I mean, their initial message, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. love, peace, whatever. But then it's, okay, peace involves child porn and having sex with 80-year-old men when you're 14. So it's, you know, it's when you get down to the, the weeds right. and, and, and what does peace actually mean for them? Well, it means... Yeah, yeah, that that you're like, oh, okay, that's some shitty shit. Yeah, <laughs> I I looked at it. I think I looked at it a, l- a little bit earlier today. I mentioned it to you, and I was like, I'm I'm out. I'm just I'm out. I got I got to do some research. I on have that to one. do a little bit more research on that one. Right, but but ultimately, this is not a coincidence, right? Um, the, the investigators, you know, they they now they're like, hey, now here's another angle. angle. Here's another twist. Um, and they started investigating other members of the sect, and they collected DNA samples. And when those DNA samples that were taken and the ones that were taken in court, um, when those DNA samples were mm-hmm. compared to the one that was taken in court, okay. it was found to, to belong to the daughter of Victor Scala, an actor and also a member of the sect. She was the one who had been present in that court today, and the DNA sample belonged to Barbara. No. So, okay. So, Anna is Barbara. Is Barbara. Okay. I'm glad we solved that mystery. So, Barbara is a 32-year-old woman posing as a 13-year-old? Yes. And, And is she willingly doing this? Yes. And she... Has manipulated everybody. Clearly, I, I'm. Uh, and is she really autistic? No. Okay, thank Not you. Not that I could find at all. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. so she will. We have a 32 year old woman who was like, "Hey, today I'm going to be a 13 year old girl who's autistic and For draws. Years. Yeah, I'm going to draw calculus formulas and whatnot. Yeah. For shits and giggles. Yeah. She's a. She's a. Wow. I I, Just I can wow. tell you like that is an evil evil person and well not even sick you're fucking evil at that point I don't care how many uh, I don't care any I don't like I do care right but. That to me just just vibrates evil. Like I couldn't be in the same room with that person. There would be some some crazy energy that I don't even want to be around. Well, I mean, I get t- you know thirty. I'm going to try and pull off early twenties. I'm you know forty five, I mean, and I want to try and pull off thirty. Exactly, right? but. But, but I'm not trying to be 13. A prepubescent child. Yeah. Now, by this time, the boys have been removed from a terrible environment. Um, they're doing the best that they can to settle into a new routine. They've both suffered a great deal of physical and mental abuse and trauma. And that stays with them for the rest of their lives. Um, a, ca- a caregiver named Lenka was the first person to really interact with Jacob extensively. Now, Jacob is the older one. Jacob Mm. was the one that was in school. She took him to, (laughs) this kills me, but, you know, they do things differently in in Czech Republic, Czech Republic. But she took him to her apartment for lunch and an afternoon of games to help get his mind off of things. And like I said, something that we would not do here. I was going to say, there's probably some liability issues exactly. here. And, and so if, have if you have lawyers. a therapist that's like, hey, I'm <laughs> yeah. taking your kid to my house for games and food, just just note that's a red flag. I just need you to yeah. know that. <laughs> um, but she noticed that he struggled to do very simple tasks for his age, and he was about nine years old. 
dressing himself, taking a bath. He had terrible table manners. He really had trouble eating without making a complete mess. I mean, my kids at nine o'clock were, were able, I mean, at nine years old, were able to feed themselves and do all of these things um, splendidly, might I ask. Same, same, yes. It was like he was a toddler and, you know, not nine years old. As she worked with him, she really began to understand the history of his injuries and did her best to help him kind of come to terms, to feel safe, to come out of his shell. And basically, she wanted him to know that he could share without there being repercussions. But again, Jacob really struggled uh, in trusting strangers and overall and people in general. He, he completely struggled with trust, trusting That's people. completely understandable. Absolutely. Now, Andrage was the opposite of his older brother. He seemed to bounce back a little quicker, and the caregivers speculated due to being held in isolation for so long that ultimately he just craved human contact, um, which just makes my heart yeah, hurt that hurts. him yeah. even more. He was very friendly. He was trusting. He would sit in people's laps. He would chat with them. And he, I know. And he seemed fascinated by things that a regular child would not be interested in at all. He commented on how, you know, quote, great toothpaste was, end quote, <laughs> or how pretty a hairbrush was that he had been given. So oh, poor thing. That is so devastating. Yeah, it's, it's painful. Um, and as time went on, the boys more excessive pathologies seemed to clear, but the deeper issues stayed and would flare. You know, they would have good days and they would have bad days like you would expect. Well, here's where, you know, past experiences come back. Right. You know, yeah. that's, you know, comparatively speaking, we're talking about Amber Heard getting, or Johnny Depp slapping somebody. Right, right. This is real torture. Exactly. Like, this is real. Exactly. They also had the disappearance of Anna to deal with, and this news really upset them. They were both fond of her, and apparently she was the only person they seemed to have any kind of bond with. And when investigators told the boys that she was not who they thought she was, but she was someone else entirely, it, it just put them in a tailspin and a really bad psychological state for many days afterwards. Both of the boys had a fondness for Anna, and it really appeared to develop at the expense of their relationship with each other. This became even more clear when Andrej was discharged from the hospital into the care of the institution. Um, And when the boys met, it was cold and quiet, and they appeared to have distrust towards one another, and it carried out for, for a few to several days. Now, eventually, they came together, and they kind of worked through that, but it was just something that the investigators and nurses and and caregivers noted. And as you can imagine, the family that had been cut off from seeing the boys, not only on the father's side, but the family on Clara's side as well, were eager to communicate and contact them yeah I'm curious like as a father I would have been like where is my son well they had uh, he had some trouble so the boy's father tech legally mm-hmm. the boy's father was the only one that had the right to visitation while the kids were at the institution uh, and on the first visit the boys seemed to react very positively to, to seeing him 
However, things got a little intense when the next time he came, he brought several other members of the family. And this included Clara's youngest sister and her parents. Um, And he brought those folks to the institution to see the boys. And then he felt that the restrictions were just too much. He he was very limited in the amount of time that even he could spend with the boys. Mm -hmm. And he didn't think that it was fair that other members of the of the family didn't get couldn't see them spend time with them. And and I I can understand the type of frustration. Like my, my kids have been abused, my kids have been hurt. I want to see my fucking kids. Right. Know? But I mean, I'm sure that there was some reason why. I mean, it it they have there to There was a lot of back back and forth um out of frustration. Uh Reddick involves the courts. But the judge decides that the custody of the children should be handed over 100% custody to the institution. And once this happened, it was almost like, like, ha, too bad. We're revoking any visitation rights to you as the father. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, they kind of want, you want to stabilize children before you introduce these variables. So what they, what was happening at this time was they, they were finding out that Anna was not, who Anna right. was. Right. And they were also seeing that Anna was Barbara mm-hmm. and Barbara was in the courtroom and there were witnesses in the courtroom to testify that Anna was in fact a 13 year old child. And those witnesses included Clara's mother and Clara. So now they see Clara, Clara's mother as in cahoots and are they all involved in, in the this? abuse of this child of these children? Right. And now here comes the father, who honestly has no idea. And it comes come to find out the mother had no idea either. But they don't know and they really can't rule out that the father isn't a part of the abuse as well. Right. So there's a trickle ripple effect. Well and it impacts the entire family. I was going to ask during the abuse and you know Andridge being locked up in the bedroom, was he allowed to see his father at, and so she, she had cut, cut off, off all ties. Okay. And that, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. So, I mean, I can see from a court standpoint, you got to make sure that these kids are safe before you I know, mean, you l- introduce anybody. I can the see that, but it had been weeks before he even got to see them the first time. It was, it was, I think it was drawn out a little too much. I feel sure. like it should have, but that's who I am, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and, and this went on for several weeks, but eventually the courts did rule that it was unjust for the institution to deny the father visitation rights. And those were revoked, but the custody battle for the boys lasted about four years and this was between the institution the father and the grandparents and those poor little boys in my mind and this is going to be kind of a stretch but the abuse really didn't stop the second they were helped you know they were released they still had to kind of go through this with not being able to see their father not being able to see family member right it all impacted so in my mind they didn't handle this in the best way that they could for the children Mm. but they thought that they were Mm -hmm. and that I guess it counts for something counts for something 
And the boys did not immediately come out and tell investigators about all of the abuse in one sitting. And, uh, you know, this is this has been weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had been physically um, and psychologically abused. And honestly, they likely did not know who they could trust, who they could talk to. They were probably still very scared of their mother. Um, but over several weeks in the institution, and while the investigation was, uh, while the investigators were trying to figure out who the girl movement was and who's what and blah, 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 if there's an Anna, yada, 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 Jacob and Andre's story finally does come out, and it reveals one of the most horrible, some of the most horrible details that I could imagine happening to anyone, let alone a child, that the hands of the woman that was supposed to protect them, uh, nonetheless, right? So we know, oops, sound like you were going to say something. No, well, I was just going to say, this is, um, it would probably take me, I mean, as a kid, I can imagine just being terrified, not wanting to share any information, because you could get smacked upside your head, put in a closet. You don't know what's going to happen. And at a single digit age. Yeah. Right. Like 12, 13, 14, you're starting to kind of come into your own shell a little bit and maybe Mm -hmm. have a little independence, but at six or eight or nine. Yeah. All you've been taught are the people that you're supposed to trust are going to hurt you. Exactly. So why wouldn't somebody else? Exactly. So we do know that the abuse did not begin until right around the time that they moved to Kiram, which is around the uh, summertime of 2006. And prior to that, Clara showed no signs of violence and anger at all. It started quickly and with such intensity and brutality that the boys had been thrown into shock and really had very little time or couldn't even process in their young minds what was even happening to them. Clara and Katerina had taken the boys along with Anna to a cabin in the country. They were joined by three other people. So we know Anna is not Anna. And right. we know that she's Barbara and she's actually in her 30s. So so we have six adults at this cabin. Um, the boys... Um, now, let me back up because this cabin apparently was used in Katerina and Clara's family as like a vacation uh, cabin. Mm -hmm. So the boys were somewhat familiar with this cabin. And once they got there, the boys were forced into dog cages. They were forbidden um, from talking to one another and they were fed from dog bowls over a span of several days. They were only removed from the cages to be humiliated and mentally and physically tortured. When they were removed from the cages, bags were placed over their heads so they couldn't see and they were beaten with belt buckles and bamboo poles. They were scratched with forks, and cigarettes were put out on their groins. They also poured hot water over the boys, not boiling hot water, but hot enough to, to cause some pain, but to not hurt. to yeah. cause permanent damage. damage. Um, it, it's just... It's just freaking sad. They also held Andrej down repeatedly underwater and would let him up and then hold him back down. They were taunted inside the cages, so they had the bags on their face. They couldn't see who was taunting them. They never knew exactly who, but they know their mother's voice. Right. That's what I'm going to say. Um, they played 
uh, loud industrial type music very loudly and at all different hours of the day to disorient the boys. Like it would be really loud, obnoxiously loud, crazy music and they'd leave it on and they would upset the boys and they just terrible psychological fucking terrible things that you would do. They what would, is wrong with these people? They're nuts. <laughs> I don't wait. Like what caused this, this whole cult? So that is ultimately the the catalyst that drove there was the a, mother it, to do all of these awful. Well, things. we're not done. We're okay, not done. Okay, okay. So um, they were also forced to memorize, you know, bad words, things that you don't want your child saying. Mm-hmm. They were forced to fight and and cause harm to each other, which led to that when they first met after they were released from the institution, there they were struggling, right? Yeah. Uh, and then they were also forced to dig shallow graves and then they had to lay down in the graves and they were told over and over and over that they were dead. So now at six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. That's I can't imagine that would be effective I, I, or impactful. They don't know what death is. at six. It's terrible. I'm laying Little, in a dirt pile. That's basically, or a dirt hole. Well, I'd imagine after all that abuse, yeah. they, it, it, it wasn't good. Right. Little Andre appeared to get the brunt of this abuse. One night he was taken from his cage abruptly with a bag over his head. And while he was held down so he couldn't move, his mother cut pieces of flesh from his butt cheeks. And while little Andre was screaming and crying, the adults were passing the pieces of flesh around and were eating it. That is disgusting. What kind of kicks are you getting out of that? I got nothing. Oh, my God. Somebody needs to, like, pin her down. The torture at the cabin was far worse than they would receive at home. And when they returned and Jacob went back to school, um, his demeanor clearly was very different. He missed a total of 214 hours. And he also missed out on all of the outings and trips that he enjoyed, like the swimming, all of those camping things that you do. Um, and likely this was due because his mother didn't want him to have to be put in a situation to explain, explain what happened. Explain what's wrong with him, yeah. Although they had been told over and over and over, this is what you say, which is why we heard the gerbil and the wasps. Right. Um, Jeez. And, you know, because Andrej was homeschooled because of this uh, lack of hearing issue, which was found to be completely non-existent, he spent... The rest of the year in that little space, bound and using the floor. Um, oh, that poor child. I mean, both of them. Toilet, That's I mean. awful. Now, as the case unravels, it becomes, as we already know, it's apparent that Anna isn't Anna, but she's, in fact, Barbara. Clara begins, so Ev- Clara and Katerina were very tight-lipped. They really didn't say much in while they were incarcerated. But when they found out that Anna wasn't a 13-year-old girl, uh, Anna was actually Barbara, they really felt that they had been manipulated. And Clara begins to open up and talk to investigators. Um, Speaking, you know, she, her coming forward and telling what she told investigators allow, is the catalyst really for them to go and arrest Barbara. Because before then, all they had was that, okay, Anna was a 13-year-old girl, but Anna is not Barbara for the demon. They really had nothing other than that. Okay. And it was 
Clara saying, yes, this is what happened, and this is, she's the, the catalyst behind this. She's the reason why we did this. She's wow. brainwashed me. Um, that actually puts everything into motion. Okay. And they are able to arrest Barbara in February of 2008, and they charge her with child abuse. And as soon as she was charged, she told her side to the police and, and to the press, because clearly that's what you do. Um, <laughs> and her testimony is all over the place. It's contradicted testimony that she's given in the past or things that she's told other people. Um, and there's not one thing that this woman says that I believe. She claimed that she was pretending to be a 13-year-old girl so it was a way to save herself um, from being sold as a sex slave, essentially. Oh, my. Okay. Um, if anybody knows anything about sex slaves, then it's usually with small children. And that, I, it involves I, children. So she, she, is, she claimed to oftentimes herself be tied up and tortured in the exact same ways that the boys were tortured. And she escaped the hospital because she did not want to be examined because she knew when she was examined, the nurses would realize that she's older than 13. And that when she did escape, there were two men who were sent to help her escape. And once she did get out of the window, those two men captured her and forced her essentially back into this quote-unquote sex sex slavery ring. She's drawing at straws. She's got really nothing. She's throwing spaghetti, like wet spaghetti at a wall, seeing what's going to stick. She didn't want to be forced back into, quote-unquote, service customers. However, she claimed that her captors had already been apprehended by the police, so it didn't matter if she gave any names. It's, it's, it's all bullshit. Yeah, I was going to say, she's so full of shit. But, I mean, clearly she was good enough to manipulate a whole ton of people the thing to is, convince her that she was people that she was 13. Here's my problem with this is so they arrest her, what did I say, uh, and charge her with child abuse mm-hmm. for this one count. Right. Who did she do this to before? Yeah, I was going to say this can't be the first instance, especially if she's been gone, you know, when she disappeared for a long time. So where was she and what was she doing? We have, we, we don't know. And as an, uh, an, as a, you know, 27, 26, you know, all the time leading up to she's 32, she was probably doing some messed up shit. I, I, in my mind, 100%, but you know, I, this couldn't, this really can't be the first time she's done anything like this. Right. I agree. Now keep in mind, she supposedly did have a job and she was a roommate uh, of Katerina at one time. Um, And as everyone is gearing up for the trial, it's evident that it's going to be very complex and very difficult to untangle. And Clara was the first person to give her testimony. And she was barely holding her shit together. Mm -hmm. She shuffles in, and I saw the pictures. She's got her head down. Her eyes are red from crying. Um, she can barely be heard as she's answering the questions as the judges are, um, as she's answering the charges that are being read. And, you know, it, it became evident to the jury, to Clara, and pretty much everyone else that, that Barbara had manipulated and 
and fooled everyone. She even, I don't really want to say that she and fooled, inve- fooled, fooled investigators and child protective services, but they kind of did because well, she yeah. got out. Like if they had been able to examine her. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, not just that, but they, I mean, they, <laughs> people thought this chick was 13. That's just. For, for more than a day. I was you know going mean? to say. It's, it's not Halloween. It's a while. Thank you. Clara and Katerina would attempt to persuade the jury that they had been manip- manipulated. But when the jury concluded, um, all in all, Clara failed to protect her children. And honestly, as far as I'm concerned, and still to this day, she's failed as her role as a mother. Period. And she had to be in such like a bad place to be manipulated like that. and manipulated to even to abuse her own children that's so apparently and i don't i don't buy this either because andrege was 6 or mm-hmm. 7 and they were both in single digits um when anna moved in um as this 13 when barbara moved in as a 13 year old girl that was being adopted supposedly the boys began to become as they said over and over unruly and that I don't think that their behavior was unruly. I personally think that they were acting like six and seven. I was going to say boys. boys. Um, and, and Clara was going through some sort of depression. And she was very easy, easily manipulated. Right. But I, I also don't know what it's like to be in such a terrible mental state that if somebody said cut the flesh off of your son that I wouldn't immediately put a fork in her face yeah I I don't I've never been there and I can't imagine how bad you're how I mean I'm we're not in fucking jigsaw movie okay we I don't understand where that comes from I don't think that you could I don't know that you would be able to put yourself in that position and Clara could I mean, I've known people who are so depressed and they've taken their own lives. Right. And I've known people who are pissed off and taken other people's lives. But I don't know because this was a building thing. This didn't happen over and over. Oh, yeah. I was going to say it's it's built and built and built and built. And so you're so far under and you're so brainwashed. You don't know what the hell's going on. You don't know to and from and in between. Right. So all in all, six people were arrested and charged and went on trial for torturing the boys. And all of those six people that were in the cabin were in court. Good. Katerina, as being seen as really the, the catalyst mm-hmm. for bringing Anna into people's lives and, or Barbara into people's lives, got 10 years. That's it? Clara got nine years. Oh, my. Wait. Wait, we're not even done yet. Barbara got five years, and the other three, collectively, the three of them, right? I think it was seven and seven and whatever else, five, got a total of 19 years. All sentences were to be carried out at a maximum security prison, and as of today, all of Andre's and Jacob's abusers are free. What the hell? Is it Czech Republic that just has, okay, slap on the hand, and we're going to let you go? Now, Or is it... Because the charges, they couldn't get anything other than child abuse to stick. I mean, nobody died. But you you have damaged so many lives. And Clara 
you know, they burned bridges with their family. They were sisters, right? So when they were incarcerated, Katerina really made a new attempt to try to reach out to her family. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I'm not saying any at all, but she really didn't work at rebuilding a relationship. Um, Clara did. And in the Czech Republic, part of the rehabilitation process for the children is forgiveness. Oh, and they were very, I don't want to say very quickly, right? but when they were still young, they were, they had meetings with her on a regular basis to work on forgiving her for what she had done to them. And so when she got out, she worked more and harder to rebuild the relationship with her family, not just the kids, but the sister and mother and father and things like that. When she got out, she um, is clearly not allowed to, to live with the boys, but was allowed to live with her younger sister, Gabriella, and um, were, was working on rebuilding the relationship with her child. And, you know, the kids only didn't only suffer this, but they also got picked on apparently really bad in school because the picture that they took when they came in of Andrej, they posted, and it, he was little naked boy that was just filthy and it's not his fault no so to to me that's messed up and 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 if you're a mother and you do that to your child if you're I don't care who you are you're dead to me I was gonna say you just need to be set on fire and let loose it's it's I'm not happy with the way this ended at all no that's depressing I was hoping for this you know she's still in jail rotting and the kids want nothing to do with it. And they maybe that's why I don't have friends, because <laughs> I'm hateful. Well, no, I mean, <laughs> my kids always say, "Mom, you hate everyone." I know this is this is a fact. I have little patience, so, but I, this is very depressing um, case. It's not one that I've heard of. Um, so kudos on your research, but um, yeah, this was really upsetting. Definitely a difficult case to follow uh, because there's so many great areas and Anna's so cunning and so manipulative uh, so yeah thank you guys so much for listening tune in next week when Chrissy will be I have more child cases I hate to say it but um, and yeah they'll they're gonna be pretty crabby but you know <laughs> all right guys tune in. see you thank you bye, bye. bye. This episode of Status Macabre is recorded live from the Maddie Johnson Podcast Studio at GOT Sound Studio in Columbia, South Carolina. This episode is produced and engineered by Neek the Geek, owner and operator of GOT Sound Studio. To support the show, please visit statusmacabre.com for links to social media, merchandise, and more. Special thanks to Muff the Producer, Neek the Geek, Barrett Gruber, and you, our listeners, please subscribe, rate, review, and share. Thank you for listening.